Welcome to the Abbot Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. We're in the series called Let's Try It His Way, and uh, we're going to talk about loving your enemies today. It's so easy, easy to do, right? Anybody can do that. I have a story for you first. I'm writing in response to your request for additional information for my insurance claim. In block number three of the incident claim form, I wrote, trying to do the job alone as the cause of my accident. You said in your letter that I should explain that statement more fully. I trust the following details will be sufficient. I am a bricklayer by trade. On the date of the accident, I was working alone on the roof of a new six-story building. When I completed my work, I discovered that I had 500 pounds of bricks left over. Rather than carrying the bricks down by hand, I decided to lower them in a barrel by using a pulley which was attached to the side of the building on the sixth floor. Securing the rope to the ground floor level, I went up to the roof and swung the barrel out and loaded it with bricks. Then I went back down to the ground and untied the rope, holding it tightly to ensure the slow descent of the 500 pounds of bricks. You will note in block number 22 of the claim that my weight is 150 pounds. Due to my surprise at being jerked off the ground so suddenly, I lost my presence of mind and forgot to let go of the rope. Needless to say, I proceeded up the side of the building at a very rapid speed. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel coming down. This explains my fractured skull and my collarbone. Slowed only slightly, I continued my rapid ascent, not stopping until the fingers of my right hand were two knuckles deep into the pulley. By this time, I had regained my presence of mind and I was able to hold tightly to the rope in spite of my pain. At approximately the same time, however, the barrel of bricks hit the ground and the bottom fell out of the barrel. (laughs) Devoid of the weight of bricks, the barrel then only weighed approximately 50 pounds. I refer you again to the information in block number 22 regarding my weight. As you might imagine, I began a rapid descent down the side of the building In the vicinity of the third floor, I again met the barrel coming up. This accounts for the two fractured ankles and the lacerations on my legs and lower body. The second encounter with the barrel slowed me enough to lessen my injuries when I fell onto the pile of bricks. Fortunately, only three vertebrae were cracked. I am sorry to report, however, as I lay there on the bricks in pain, unable to stand and watching the empty barrel six stories above me, I again lost my presence of mind and let go of the rope. The empty barrel weighed more than the rope. So it proceeded at a rapid descent down the side of the building, landing on and breaking both my legs. I hope I have furnished information sufficient to explain why trying to do the job alone was the stated cause of the accident. Sincerely, a bricklayer. Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end leads to death. Or in this case, severe injury. 
Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would just help us today. God, we want to see the way you see. God, I want to just be shifted and transformed in the way that I see how you love me, how you love others. God, we are just desperate for your presence to fall on us today. Lord, will you minister with your love? God, help us to love the way you love. Above all things, no matter what circumstances are going on in and through and around our lives, God, you would be constant with your love and your provision to help us in our time of need to love others the way you desire them to be loved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many ever felt like the bricklayer in your relationships? It's just hanging on to the rope when you shouldn't be and not letting go when you should and, 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 and just up and down and you're like, I don't understand why I'm getting so smashed up and why life hurts so bad. And then when it's all done, insult to injury, the barrel falls on you in the end. See, this is what happens when we try it our way. And we look at the way Jesus taught us to do things and we go, that's impossible. That's too hard. And so then we go, I think I'm going to forge out my own path. I'm going to figure out my own way to make this happen. I'm just going to do it my way. Let's try it my way. When we try it our way, we're like the bricklayer. Decides they're going to move the bricks in one big motion rather than try it his way. And all of a sudden we find ourselves in this rapid ascent getting banged up along the way. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. Here's what Jesus teaches us about love and who we're supposed to love and how, and specifically loving our enemies. You have heard the law say, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say, love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you, and that way you will be acting as true children of the Father in heaven. For he gives sunlight on both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for you in that? Even corrupt tax collectors, even the IRS guy can do that much. If you love, if you are kind to only your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans or non-believers do that. But you are to be perfect even as your heavenly Father is perfect. Matthew 5, 38, you have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give them your coat too. If the soldier demands that you carry his gear for one mile, take it too, or carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Romans 12, 14. Here's what the Apostle Paul says as he summarizes all these teachings from Jesus. He says this, verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position, even if they're from Nikiski. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone for evil, evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. 
Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. 1 Peter chapter 3, 9. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. Ooh. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because of this, you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Man, I want to inherit a blessing. I want to live this way. This sounds impossible. True. It is impossible. For you and I, by our own strength, is impossible. Cool passage in Philippians 4.13. Many of you guys have heard this. It says, I can do all these things through Christ who gives me strength. And it's really referring to, and it, some versions say all things, but it's talking about all these things specifically. And that list of where Philippians 4 uh, talks about is, and, and, and when I have learned, Paul says, I've learned to abound when I have do well when I have everything. And I learn to do awesome and well in Christ when I have nothing. Whether I'm in lack or plenty, I can do all these things through Christ who gives me strength. Listen, it might be difficult. It might be hard. It might seem impossible. True. To your, in your natural body, your natural life, in your natural strength, true. It feels impossible, is impossible. But even though the circumstances around you are difficult, that does not dictate whether or not you can live a Christ-centered life. See, if you and I shift, we have to make a shift. If we make the right shift in the right place, then you and I, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter how difficult it is around us, we can love the way Christ loves in all things, all places, even in the extremes of where Jesus says, love your enemies. I, he always, Jesus is always teaching in these extreme places. And he's saying, listen, if you murder, it's bad, okay? You sin if you murder. But I'm telling you, even more extreme, if you have hated someone in your heart, you've committed murder. There's no escaping this, okay? And he's like, love, not just people that are kind of rude to you or it's kind of having a bad day, but even your enemy saying, there is no escape. Every single person, there is no excuse for you and I in any context, any way, to not love them. No matter what lifestyle they choose, no matter who they vote for as president, no matter what they post on Facebook, no matter how bad of a day they've had, no matter what they steal from you, no matter how, what they say about you at the water cooler at work, there are no circumstances, how they use or abuse or treat you, that changes how you treat them. Only if we make the right shift. But if we don't make the right shift, then we're going to be like that bricklayer, just boosh, boosh, and then the thing falls on us. They're like, oh my gosh, I don't know why all the relationships around me are devoid of God's love and are broken, and I'm all lacerated and beat up, and my legs are broken, and I got fractured ribs and spine. Trying it our own way. We got to try this Jesus' way. So how in the world can we live this way? In these circumstances, when people persecute us and despitefully use us, we bless them, we pray for them. When we're hit or violently struck, instead we don't retaliate violence for violence. Instead, we turn the other cheek. If you're sued and they're taking your shirt and, and, and they shouldn't be, you just give them your coat too. Soldier demands you to carry his gear. Someone says, hey, I, you need to do, your boss is like, you need to do this job. And 
it, really, it should be that person's job to do. Instead, you do it, and then you're like, you know what, I'm doing that, but I'm even going an extra mile. You asked me to go this far, but I'm going to go double that. Just to freak you out. I'm going to freak you out. I'm going to blow your mind. You're talking bad about me around the water cooler, and I'm blessing you at the water cooler. You're trying to take my job, and I'm praying for you. I'm building you up. You're cussing me out, and I'm praising your name. I'm going to freak you out. You try to sue me, and I just give you my car. Do you know this is counter culture? This is so wild. And God wants to set this kind of stuff up in such a way that it is so radical that no human being would ever choose to do these things on their own to where they would ask this question, simple question, why? Why would you do this to me when I did this to you? When I treated you so badly, how could you love me instead? How could you love me back? It just sows something in their mind. It shifts something in their heart. It shifts something for them. They see God's love because this is how God sees us. I want to take you to the cross. The day Jesus is burdened and flogged and whipped and dragging his own cross up to Calvary. And then he's hung on his own cross that he drags. And they lift him up. And right there, Jesus says this, forgive them for they know not what they do. They're selling his clothes right in front of him. And Jesus saw something different. See, Jesus didn't come to make you perfect or, or, or to rescue just the perfect. He came to seek and save that which was lost. You and I, we were lost. Those that were there, he says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He wasn't looking at their sin. He was seeing who he was called and came to rescue. Those that persecuted him and crucifying him right then were the ones that he came to save. He saw something different when the woman who was caught in adultery was drugged before Jesus and all those who were around were looking at her sin and pointing out, look at what she did. She deserves death. He says, he who is without the first sin cast the first stone. Who is without sin cast the first stone. And they all leave. And he's standing there in front of this woman and he says, where's all your accusers now? I scared them all. I gave them a little love test. And where did they go? They're gone. And he goes, Get up, don't sin anymore. Don't be this person I didn't make you to be. I made you to be something different. And he saw who she was supposed to be, who he designed her to be, and he saw through the sin into who he created her to be. Peter, Jesus says, look, you're gonna deny me three times. You're gonna blow it at the epic proportions. And you know what? When that rooster crows, you're gonna have blown it all three times. And that happens the night Jesus is betrayed, He's there, he's getting beaten, and Peter denies Jesus three times. Rooster crows, Jesus says he looks right at him, and Peter's heart sinks. And I've said this before, but Jesus looking at Peter, not looking at his sin and shaming him. See, many times we would think, oh, Jesus, like, see, I got you, I told you, you're going to screw it all up. But Jesus says to him when he told him, before you're going to deny me, he tells him, 
Look, and you're going to restore your brothers. You're going to get through that. And I have a purpose for your life. Remember, you're Peter. You're, rock, you're the rock on which I'm going to build my church. And when he looked at Peter, he's like, look, see, I told you, you're going to build your brothers. He was looking at who he was going to be, not the sin that he committed. So you and I have to see something different. We cannot keep looking at the sin. We can't look at the failures of people around us. If we do, we will never be able to love our enemies. We'll never be able to sow love into the communities around us and the people around us, no matter how they behave. See, if they just behave good, then we love them. That's our natural nature. Are we ever going to love anybody in that environment? No. But man, God came to love the world. And he embraces, he, 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 he embra lives inside of us so that we will love people with that same kind of love. So how do we do this? So first, we take this Philippians 4.13 passage. I can do all these things from Christ. So Christ is my center. And then, we gotta get this prayer in here. God, help me to feel the way you feel about everyone by letting me see the way you see them. Help me to feel the way you feel about everyone by allowing me to see the way you see them. Because if we just change the way we see people, if we could see them the way Jesus sees them, it would change the way we feel about them, which would shift the way we act, the way we behave. So I want you to see this again. I've showed this to you before if you've been here. It's the see, feel, act progression. This is from a teaching out of Automatic Influence by Eric Van Alstein. Van Alstein, if you want. <laughs> Some of my German friends. See, feel, act. Jesus sees people different than you and I see people, naturally. But you and I have the ability to see in the Spirit, to see through God's eyes, to see through His lens, and we can see the way He sees. But listen, if we focus just on feel or behave, if we go to this other model, let's go to the next slide, and we just look only at motives, emotions, attitudes, feelings, and we go, oh, my attitude should be the same as Jesus Christ. I gotta try to confront my attitude. I gotta confront my feelings. And I gotta focus on my feelings rather than what I see, then I'm always gonna be warring against what I actually see. Because watch this. If I see you as a jerk, because you talk bad about me, you're jealous of me, you're especially jealous of my hair, Some of y'all are. Some of y'all are actually jealous of my hair because you have less than me. It's true. <laughs> That's weird. You can be jealous of anything. You talk bad about me. You say, oh, I don't like his sermons. He cries too many jokes. He's too funny for me. I don't like him. He's got that weird eye. His feet are too big. Whatever you think about me, you just come. Okay, you say it all. So I see you as a jerk. You jerk. But I hear this scripture that says, well, I gotta love my enemies. I gotta love them like Jesus loved them. So I actually see you as a jerk, but then I try to love you on top of you being a jerk. I'm gonna have mixed feelings about you. And I'm gonna try really hard to like, not treat you like the way I see you, which is as a jerk. And I'm gonna be warring with this, God, I gotta try to love them. And you know what this feels like? This is this concept of frenemies, okay? Trying to love 
Well, you can do it, right? Trying to love is equal to I have to love, okay? So just back up just a little bit. I, I missed my little punchline. It's okay. Just stay with me. Let's try to set that up just one second later. So if I have to love, go ahead and go to that next slide. Trying to love, if I have to try to love, that's just like I have to love. Whenever I have to do something, does it feel genuine? No, it doesn't. It feels put on, doesn't it? It doesn't have the same effect. And so if I try to do this, try to conform my behavior, and then it just comes off like I have to. Well, Jesus says I have to love you, but you're a jerk. Anybody relate to me? Yeah, you're living the dream. I get it. Me too. So this is this next slide here is this concept of loving your enemies versus your frenemies, okay? You guys know what a frenemy is? Like somebody who's your friend but your enemy at the same time? Friend to me, frenemy. You guys never heard of frenemies? Okay, frenemies are like, I, I, I try to love you, but I really don't like you. We like kind of, oh, Jesus says I kind of have to be your friend because you go to my church, but I kind of wish you didn't. We're frenemies. We're not real friends. We're not real enemies. We're sort of somewhere in between. The waging of these two worlds. Until, until I shift what I see. See, I have to shift what I see. If I don't start to see you instead as a jerk, because eh? you're a jerk, let's go back to see, feel, act with motivations. There you go. If I focus on how I feel about you, and then I don't focus on what I see, and I don't challenge what I see and how I see you, then all of a sudden my two worldviews are waging against each other. The authority of the scripture I actually don't really believe because I'm not seeing through its lens, which is Jesus, guys. It's not just a bunch of Bible verses. The Bible, Bible verses, Jesus is the living word. He's alive. He is living in you. He is perfect theology. He is your lens. He is who you're supposed to be looking life through. Jesus, I want to see life through your eyes. I want to see people through your eyes. Instead of seeing you as a jerk because I'm looking at your behaviors, your behaviors are what jerks would do. True. How I feel about that is all determining based on what I, how I choose to see you. If I choose to see you as a child of God whom God loves and you don't know what you're doing because you're lost, and I choose to see you for the treasure of who God shaped you to be, who you could be in Christ, how God loves you, how he's destined you, what he has made you for, when I choose to see that, it changes how I feel about you, no matter what you do. So you're at the water cooler, cursing my name, undermining me in the workplace, and instead I'm seeing you as a child of God, a potential person that could be serving Christ in his kingdom. Yeah. Crazy story. My wife and I getting done with watching a movie. It was really late. One in the morning. We're at the movie theater. We get out. And these two guys jump us and try to beat me up randomly, no clue why, where they came from, out of the blue, right? And so we get out of it. Joni really saved the day. She got us out of this big thing. And I'm just like, I actually thought it was a joke. I thought somebody was playing a trick on me and filming it, you know? So I'm like super confused. These guys are trying to beat me up. I'm like, I'm the nicest guy in the world. I would try to beat me up. 
<laughs> I can't even imagine why anybody would want to beat me up. <laughs> I'm so confused. And we get done, and I'm like, this starts to weigh on me. I'm like, this is kind of freaking me out, too. Like, dude, I could get jumped at any moment by somebody for no reason. And then I start doing this, and I go, Lord, you're going to lead these guys to, G to you. And so I start praying for them, blessing them, just so my heart wouldn't get bitter, right? And I'm like, God, I want to see them through your eyes. And Lord, I want you to pour out your spirit on them. I start praying for them. One week later, no joke, at the gym, these goons show up. They're at the gym. I'm helping these young adults, like, you know, work out or whatever. And the young adults happen to be 6'3", 6'4", 6'9", and 6'3". Like, they're humongous, like, tall guys, basketball team guys. <laughs> and so then I go confront these guys at the gym. And I'm like, hey, did you know... Uh, I, I, my name's Josh, and I go shake their hand, and I'm like, they're like, shake my hand, they have no clue. I'm, I'm the guy you assaulted the other night at the movies. <laughs> and they're like, and they start like, whoa, whoa, whoa. They're like teenagers, you know, basically. I'm like, hey, listen, I know you are. I could go over there, press charges. You guys are gonna go to jail? Because that's assault. What you did to me was assault. I go, do you know I'm a pastor in this community? They're all like, ooh. And I go, I have like five children at the time, you know, I'm like, you could have put me in the hospital and then my little kids would have to go see me in the hospital. How would that make you feel? How do you think my little kids feel? I just like totally just pouring it on them. I go, listen, <laughs> these guys are like shaking in their boots. It was so great. I didn't realize this whole basketball team standing behind me too. So they like have my back, you know? And I was just lasered in. And I just go, I want you to, this is what I want. I just want to ask you to, to, to apologize and promise you you're never going to do this to anybody else, right? And so they apologize, and I said, listen, I want you to know I forgive you. God loves you, and I like sow the gospel in these kids. You know, it's so amazing. I'm praying for these guys, and they show up. I don't know what ever happened to them, but I'm praying. I'm like, I want one of those kids to be my youth leader. Like, they're going to be like running one of my ministries someday. Maybe you're here today. Maybe that was you. You're here today. <laughs> you're like, oh, it was me. You could raise your hand. I still love you if you're here today. That'd be so awesome. But what causes us to do that? We have to see something different. I'm like, God, I want to see the leader in this kid that you, that, that's behaving like a monster, right? I want to see you in them. That's the only thing that causes us to behave, not in reaction to the circumstances. We've got to see them different. Lord, I want to see them through your eyes. You know, you and I, we just can't settle for these half measures. In the kingdom, we can't settle for just going halfway and just halfway like, Lord, I'm just going to confront my attitudes. No, instead, we've got to be willing to go in and change the way we see. We got to change the way we see. So to see, this is to characterize what's happening as if it's good or bad. So when I look at something, I'm going to put it into a category. Good, bad, good, bad. Go to the coffee shop, get a coffee. <laughs> I, that's what I'm thinking, right, Jack? I'm like, is this going to be good? Please, Lord. Ooh. Or I'm like. <laughs> Somehow I just keep drinking. I'm like, it's bad. And then what do I think about that coffee shop? Bad. Or Good. We think about people the same way, good or bad. I encounter you, you're either good or bad, and you're by, based on your behaviors. But see, God doesn't want us to look 
and see behaviors to qualify or quantify someone's goodness. It is about who he destined them to be. So always, how does God see people? Good. Worth it. Valuable. No matter what they do. It has to be. If he can be on the cross and looking at those that were murdering him in the moment, they weren't repenting. They were not behaving well. No, they behaved even worse. They started to sell his clothes right in front of him, gambling over his gear. And he goes, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. It's even believed that Cornelius was the one that ordered Jesus to be murdered, like he st to stab the spear in his side. One of the first Roman converts, right? He gets saved. Hey, we're in for it. Because he could see what they couldn't. He wasn't looking at their behaviors as that's what defined them as good or not. You and I have to shift. We got to shift. We have to start seeing people as good because God has made them that way. And we're looking to sow into their life and reach in their life and draw out that goodness so they come to encounter him. But we got to shift the way we see. Once we shift what we see, it's the power button. It shifts, it, it causes us to feel so much different. When I see you instead of as a jerk, I see you as a precious son or daughter. I feel love towards you, compassion towards you. And now it's easy for me to now do acts of kindness and love to you and bless you and speak well of you. But if I don't change how I see you, and I don't start to see the way Jesus does, I'm stuck. So let's look at this. What how do I see through the eyes of love? Let's try it his way. Let's start to look through the eyes of love. Let's see love. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Let's put the lens on. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. What? Just love doesn't dishonor others? Because I see value instead in you. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. Just think. Don't repay evil for evil. Instead, when someone does something evil to you, you give them good instead. Love always protects. Doesn't expose people. They expose you, you protect them. Love always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. If you put love in, you can't lose. I don't know why this is so hard for us to get. So we're trying it his way, right? We're not going to do the load the barrels and just get smashed back and forth, up and down. Look, love doesn't fail. It works every time. Even if it doesn't make sense to our mind. When we do these radical opposites, when we see people with his eyes of love, it never fails. They, we always win. They're always transformed. They'll always be impacted by that. In fact, it comes back and it draws into that heaping, burning coals upon their head. It's just going to freak them out and they won't be able to get away from it. 
But where there are prophecies, they're going to cease. Where there's tongues, they will be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it will pass away. Love never fails, guys. Love never, ever fails. Attitudes and actions become automatic once we see correctly. The attitudes of Christ become automatic when we see through his eyes. Love pours out when we see through his eyes of love. The best version of people, that's what we have to see. When we're encountering people, we just get this in our mind. God, let me see the best version of them. Who could they possibly be? And I want to see them and treat them as if they're that person, not how they're behaving right now. Want a good parenting tip? Just got one. The thing that annoys you the most about your child is going to be the thing that really makes them great. True story. Totally undisciplined and wild. Oh God, help me to see in my child who you made him to be and don't let me discipline or squash the goodness that's in them because I'm just afraid. I'm afraid of how you're going to treat me or what it's going to look like if you behave badly. Look, I just want to see the best version of you. And then I want to help nurture that. Help you get to that. And I'm going to forgive you seven times every single day. Seven times 70 for anything you're going to do where you don't miss the mark. I'm just going to keep believing in you. I'm going to keep seeing the greatness in you. I'm going to keep loving that. I'm going to keep speaking to that. I'm going to keep nurturing that. And what if we did this? What if we decided we were going to try it his way? I think we'd see a pretty big shift. It's time for a change, guys. It's time for a little bit of a shift in how we lead and love one another. For love to win and people to see how different, how different life is when they experience the Father's love. That's what I want to see. I want to see an experience of the Father's love, not just in my life, but in every single person that I encounter. How about you? Come on, anybody with me? You know, for people, each one of us, we come into this place where we have to choose. We have to choose who we're gonna serve in our life. The Bible's so clear, and it tells us that every and all people that choose Jesus get to be in an eternal and lasting relationship with him. No matter what you've done, no matter where you come from, the Bible says that if you just give your heart to Jesus and believe that he is God, you will be saved. Oh my gosh, so simple. Because God sees you through the eyes of love. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. Services in Anchorage, Alaska are at 9 and 11 a.m. We hope to see you soon.